And I think a lot of people would like to know what the conditions were mm-hmm. in oh, 1978. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Considerably different from Camp Taj Mahal there. <laughs> Camp Taj Mahal. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Life Ranch Monthly Camp Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Metcalf. MCP is all about the people that love New Life Ranch and the stories of how God is using this place to change lives. This season on the podcast, we are reflecting on NLR's past and celebrating 60 years of impact and lives changed for Jesus. On today's episode, I'll be talking to Randy and Lena Blackwell. Randy was the executive director from 1979 to 1998, and Lena helped serve alongside him in a whole bunch of different jobs. But before we do that, let's find out what's happening around the ranch with some New Life News. Sam Morton's here with me to talk about something he has been dreaming about, scheming about, building for the last, I don't know, at least three years, right? About four. About four years now, uh, something that is near and dear to his heart, Mm -hmm. coming this December all right, Mr. Sam, what is this thing that you have been planning for four years now? Yes, well, we're going to call it the Flint and Steel uh, Trail Run. All right, the New Life Ranch Flint and Steel Trail Run. Absolutely. I take it that it's a trail run. It is. <laughs> we're going to take advantage of the wonderful facility that we have here at New Life Ranch, yes. over a thousand, around 1,000 acres yeah. that we have available to us, trails everywhere, and we're going to use that as a tool to help raise funds for camper scholarships. Oh, that's excellent. What we, that's what we're all about, is getting kids to summer camp. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to have a trail run out here. What distances are we looking at? Well, we are, uh, we're going to have a 5K, okay. a 10K, all right, and a 25K. Oh, boy. It's not really scratching the itch of those serious runners out yeah. there who are like 50 and above, but for the most of us sane people... That's going to be a nice run. Well, uh, as a word to some of those serious runners out there who are scoffing at a mere 25K, right. I have seen the uh, proposed course map, and the elevation gain alone turns it into at least a 50K. Right. So. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> Even the 5K yeah. is going to be a good challenge for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, good. Um, okay, so you can register at newliferanch.com slash flint and steel run. Correct. Uh, that is and a and d in the middle there flint and steel uh and then also we're looking for volunteers is right absolutely a lot of volunteers that's the key for any really good race and because this is our first one it's gonna be really critical that we have a good turnout a lot of race day help also i I figured up the other day we have around 10 miles of trails Mm. That we're going to use. Most of them are established, yeah. either Jeep type trails or single track. Mm-hmm. Some of them are horse trails. We even have a, a, a one or two brand new trails that we're going to be building. Hopefully, okay. using uh, summer, you know, volunteers with our, our high school program, the knee highs. Yeah, but in the fall, it's going to be a great opportunity for people who love being outside who can help us make a good path out of this place. Yeah, great. Uh, and I don't remember if I mentioned yet when it was, but I guess right. it bears repeating. <clears throat> Absolutely. I did say it's in December. December 1. <laughs> December 1st. 2018. It's going to be the first Saturday of December. That's, and the reason for that date is we are so busy out here. Our retreat right. season 
fills nearly every weekend of the calendar. Yeah. And so that was the first one we had. Yeah. It's not traditionally too awfully cold. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's Oklahoma, so it's either going to be 80 absolutely. or 15. So absolutely. you just never know. All right. So if people want to volunteer, email uh, volunteer at newlifebranch.com or they can email you, Sam, Sam. at newlifebranch.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking for a ton of volunteers. And then again, if you want to register, you can go to newlifebranch.com slash Flint and A&D Steel. And it's going to be awesome. Run. We're going to have... Uh, in addition to the trails, there's places where it's, if you're a runner, you know, some more technical type running mm-hmm. where it's, you've got your uphill, downhill, there's rock stuff yeah. to go over. We even have a section that I'm going to call the hurdles, Yeah, you know, for those 25 Kers and they're just fallen trees that the path is going to go. <laughs> and so it's going to be, you know, steps going over these, these logs that yeah. are going to be there. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a good challenge. It's going Great. to be absolutely beautiful. The fall, yeah. the leaves are going to be down. And you will be able to see the beauty that's on the terrain around here yeah. that most summer campers will never see. Yeah. And so it's it's really an awesome place. Plus two to three crossings of Flint Creek that flows through the middle of camp. Excellent. It's All right. Awesome. Great. Well, I'm ready for it. I'm going to be training. I'm going to win this thing. Woo! <laughs> I got my money on you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sam. You bet. All right, coming up after the break, I'll be talking to Randy and Lena Blackwell about their time here in the 80s and 90s. We'll hear about what it was like for Randy taking over as executive director after Reverend Heck and how he saw camp change and grow over his tenure. I also heard from Lena about her impressive resume of jobs she held while at camp. She cooked food, balanced the books, and managed medical emergencies all while answering the party line. Here at New Life Ranch, we believe that God uses camp to change lives. Because of that, we want to make sure that as many people as possible get to experience the love of Jesus while at camp. And we definitely don't want finances to get in the way of that. We created the Mission 1914 Camper Scholarship Fund to make sure that every kid can come to camp regardless of their financial situation. Last summer, we had nearly 4,000 campers make their way to our valley set apart. Of those 4,000 campers, 20% received a scholarship. The average amount a camper received was $450, which means that we gave out over $300,000 in scholarship last year. In a typical cabin of 12 campers, two and a half will receive a scholarship. That means a gift of $1,000 will help fill up that cabin. Because of incredible partners like you, we are able to ensure that every kid has the chance to come to camp and experience the love of Jesus. Hey, this season on the podcast, we have been exploring uh, the last 60 years of New Life Ranch's history. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking with Lowell Heck, who was the son of Reverend Willard Heck, the founder of New Life Ranch, and then got to hear from Mr. Bill Biggs, who has been associated with the ranch basically since the very beginning as a counselor and a leader and a teacher and basically everything. And uh, today I'm going to, I have the pleasure to sit down with Randy and Lena Blackwell, who were the executive director in 1978 1978 is when they came to the ranch. And so we're going to get to hear from them today. Uh, 
their perspective and stories, and I'm really excited. So welcome to the podcast, Randy and Linda. How are you? Thank you. We're fine. Fine. Thank you. Good. So uh, as I mentioned, you guys started in 1978. Um, you came on. In what, in what capacity did you come to the ranch? I was Willard's assistant. In those days, there was Willard and Ruth, mm-hmm. Wayne and Betty Brown facilities, and us. Oh, wow. That so was the, the total staff. Yeah. And prior to that, it had just been uh, Willard and Ruth, uh, and the Browns uh, had not been here too long before we came, actually. I'm not sure just when they came. Okay. So uh, what, did, what, what did he bring you on as his assistant for? The job descriptions back then was you do whatever needed to be done. <laughs> Uh, the, there was, it was not divided into you do this job, you do that job. Sure. Everybody worked everywhere depending upon where the need was at the time. Okay. And uh, in fact, that stayed that way primarily to clear through my tenure. Okay. We had um, some information before we were hired or he was hired uh, that Mr. Heck had been looking for somebody to train to take his place as executive director someday. Okay. And uh, so that was what we were told and that we should call and talk to Mr. Heck, which we did in September of 78. We uh, actually came and met the board of, and Willard and Ruth, and they interviewed us. And then he was hired as assistant director, but with the view of becoming one day uh, when Willard re- retired uh, to become the executive director. Okay. So, so did you have any experience with camping before, or was this a— uh... Well, I was a—I had a Boy Scout troop okay. early on, and it's been around camping a lot. Sure. But uh, I was working as an aircraft design engineer at Douglas Aircraft, and I would take my vacations and conduct child evangelism fellowship camp. Okay. Which was a totally volunteer staff and all of that. So I did have that experience with <laughs> Christian camping. Sure. But then uh, on the northwest uh, Oklahoma, no, that'd be northeast Oklahoma committee, uh, of which I was a part of for Child Evangelism Fellowship, <clears throat> John Gatewood was my prayer partner. Okay. And we would meet for lunch once a week. And he had come up to the ranch uh, for a work day mm. because he was attending Tulsa Bible Church. And uh, while he was there, that's when Willard told him that he'd been looking for someone. Mm. And John said, well, you need to call Randy Blackwell. I know a guy who is an aircraft uh, engineer, so he's the guy you should call. <laughs> a natural transition, but he, right? He knew a little more about well, him than that. What do engineers do? They solve problems. That's true. Good point. So he right. said, I need a man that can come solve some problems. Yeah. So you came on in 1978. Um, what, was, what was kind of the state of camp at that point in 1978? Well, in 1978, I had a commitment to uh, Douglas Aircraft to okay. complete a test that I had written the entire program for, and so I was on contract. And I, but clear up until May of '79, I was just coming over on weekends, mm, just seeing what the camp was and how well, things operated. No, 
you didn't come see what camp was. You came and worked. <laughs> we'll never find a job for you. So you didn't just sit around. And sure. So, so what did those jobs entail? What were well, things that you were I helping with? Lay out the uh, foundation and everything for Bridal Inn. Okay. Which is now the offices. Yep. You know. And uh, if there was a ret- retreat group, which there were very few retreat groups back then, mm. that was part of my job was to build the retreat ministry because, uh, uh, you know, we were then, Willard had built the camp to the point where it could handle more than just summer camping. Mm-hmm. How many beds were, how many beds and cabins were there around then? Huh. I don't know, but a big group would have been a hundred. <laughs> yeah. A little bit but, of a far cry from where we are today, but. <laughs> right. I mean, but we, I know, I can't remember the year, but we had 305 campus crusade. Mm. A lot of them slept on the gym floor. Yeah. Just yeah. packed them in wherever. Students, yeah. they didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we washed dishes between group, you know, it was only, and we only, only one group on the grounds at a time. Mm-hmm. Clear up until 1985, 86, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Mm. So, Lena, what do you remember from the, from when you first started here? Well, you know, we were hired in 78, but actually came, uh, in 79. Mm-hmm. And we moved into a cabin that no longer exists. It was called the Hall House. Mm-hmm. And it was down right beside the creek, mm. near the pool, the, where the you swimming... You now call it the goat altar. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so about that's where... That's the foundation. The, what you all call the goat altar yeah. is, is the foundation of the old oh. log cabin that we moved into when we first came. Okay, I didn't realize Finished. that there was a building there. Oh, nobody does. I brought pictures for you. Uh, I want to see them. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, it was drafty. <laughs> you could hear the squirrels in the attic. It was um, it was quaint. Uh-huh. We really loved the spot because we could see out the north side of it. We could see the creek. Yeah. And uh, but it was right next to the Heck House, which is still standing. That's mm-hmm. uh, that was to the south of the the old log cabin, and it was quaint. It was lovely. Uh, but uh it was it was uh old and had some poor wiring <laughs> and eventually they had to take it down but that was after we sure had after they built the house for us which is the one up by the gym uh-huh. the two story so it was a bit of a uh a bit of a transition from Tulsa but something i think you need to understand is new life ranch was a just about a summer only facility mm. The road to the highway was gravel. Mm. And in the wintertime, if you didn't have a vehicle with a lot of clearance, the ruts sometimes would get pretty deep. Yeah. It would be hard to navigate. We were on a four-party phone line. And if you can imagine running camp with a four-party line. Oh, man. That phone line at one stretch up there was hanging on the fence post. Oh, wow. That, that was kind of the infrastructure that was present at that day. And, and I assume you were taking all of the registrations over the phone. So if somebody wanted to sign up for camp, they would call in and say, I want to sign up for camp. And soon we, soon after we came, Mr. and Mrs. Heck, and they must have been very tired, and they, they took a vacation, and we had it. 
but he had told me to answer the phone. Well, there was no phone in the whole house, that cabin we lived in. So there was an outside bell on the side of their house, and there was a phone in the garage. So he left the garage door open. Oh, wow. And when I would hear the bell ring for the phone, I would drop what I was doing, race out the kitchen door, down (laughs) three or four steps, and over to the garage, and it was up high, and I'm short. And it was kind of a challenge for me to reach the phone. And sometimes somebody in the neighborhood on a party line had already answered. (laughs) And I would say, oh, I think this is a ranch call. Excuse me. And I would have to try to take a note and hold that phone and try to reach things. (laughs) I got a lot of exercise then. And that's before the days of Internet. We didn't know how many camps were coming. Oh, really? Until Sunday afternoon. So so people would show up and then they'd say like, hey, I'm here. I want to come to camp. Right. Yeah, wow. they would mail, you know, they could mail their applications in or registrations in, but to reserve a spot, but they could always just Sunday. show up. Oh, wow. So did you, did it ever, uh, did you ever run into issues where you had to turn somebody away because, oh, we're all full up or? I don't think we ever turn anybody away, but we might make some changes. <laughs> and there's always the gym floor. And our I guess. advertising was uh, a brochure, mm-hmm. a printed brochure that we would put in dentists and doctor's offices. Mm. That was it. Wow. And so, so it was mostly just kind of word of mouth and, and spreading word, organically like mostly that? Mostly word of mouth. Yeah. People who had come and enjoyed it. Yeah. They would tell someone else. Yeah. So, What are some memories you have from, those, or from your time that you were first here? What are some fond memories you have that you think back on that? Uh, My fondest memory, of course, I'm a primitive camper type. Yeah. And the, there was only air conditioning on the grounds mm. was in the residences. Mm. That was it. So all of the cabins for the campers and everything, there was no AC. But I love that. Those old boys' cabins where there was nothing but a screen wire between you and the wilderness. Yeah. And uh, we, that was one of those changes that had to be made. Sure. That, that first summer. Uh, we wound up short of staff. We didn't have enough men counselors for one week, so or two weeks. So I was in a cabin. <laughs> and, uh, and how old were you at that time? Lord, um, forty. I don't. I say sixty-six. That'd been thirty years. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My mid thirties. So mid thirties. Oh, you're jumping back in a boy's cabin. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been uh, a little bit of a uh, an adjustment there. Well, when they when we built when we had the new dining hall built. Mm-hmm. When was the new dining hall built? Was that in the eighty well, two? Okay. My birthday in nineteen eighty one, December twenty seventh, nineteen eighty one, was the first meal. Oh, okay. In the new dining hall. Okay. So that's why you were forty five then. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Just we were. So we'll figure that out. I don't know. We came, we moved here in 79. Sure. Hired in 78. Moved in 79. And you finally yeah. got to be a counselor in your <laughs> late 30s. <laughs> uh, so, Lena, what were some fond memories that you had other than uh, running to answer the phone to <laughs> on the party line? Well, um, as soon as we got here, we got moved into the log cabin. Uh, Willard, Mr. Heck gave me the duty of being food service director. Well, he didn't call it a director then. I was in charge of food service. Oh, okay. 
And so I had to make menus, buy supplies. Uh, Betty Brown, who was also a housekeeper here, Mrs. Brown, Mm -hmm. that was the only other couple. And uh, she was kind of supervising the high school girls that we would hire to come and serve on the weekends. Whatever. We had a very small dining room kitchen at that time. And uh, so that, that, that retreat we had with Campus Crusade where there were 305 students and staff, um, we were washing dishes by hand. They were trays and paper plates. That's what we used then. So, mm-hmm. But we had trays that they would go through the line with and get their meal. And so we would wash silverware and trays and everything by hand and feed that group in shifts mm. uh, to get them all through the line and at the table. So we had we had great co- we had a great cook, Florine Stortz, mm. and she had cooked for John Brown University, and then she had worked here. Well, that was her main job, on, John Brown. On on weekends, she would come over for a retreat group or. Mm. in summer camp some when she wasn't working at JVU. But then she came on full-time after we got here, and the the uh, retreats began to increase. And so Florine was there, and she did everything by scratch. Mm. Uh, it was hard to find food service supplies that were already prepared. Right. She prepared. She made biscuits in the morning. She made... Hot rolls for evening. She made homemade cinnamon rolls. Oh, wow. It was divine. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so anyway, I was buying supplies and running to town and getting groceries and making the menus mm. and doing that sort of thing. So um, technically, I was told when we were hired that I would work four hours a day. That was all. Was four hours a day. Four hours a day. And uh, <laughs> we were here as a team. So I never got a paycheck. Oh. We were here 20 years. I never got a paycheck. But I wound up working as many or more hours sometimes than he did. Right. But um, We were under the old missionary model. Sure. Yeah. Yes. You hired the family. Right. So anyway, we stayed really busy. We were, we were really busy. I can imagine. <laughs> from, from day one almost. So. Yeah. But it was the Lord's work. We enjoyed it. Sure. And, so what was the size of camp? When you, you did you have about six or seven weeks of summer camp at that point? Eight weeks. Eight weeks of summer camp and, and about a hundred campers per week. Is that about right? Yeah. And then um, a handful of retreats or so with, yeah. to start with. And, and it, it increased as we we added bedding space because we had bridal in. We added that. See, that really increased. Yeah, that bed space. did that about double the capacity at that yeah. point. Yeah, because yeah. that was before a, then. There was the old saddle inn, which is where I don't even know what they call that group of cabins now, up it, there by the gym. Right. And it held 20 something. Mm-hmm. And then the boys' cabins, I didn't see them go. They, they had nothing. I mean, it was <laughs> siding, studs, you know, and you could ride on the wall and you could hear what was going on outside. It, yeah, and you would just pray for a breezy night so it didn't get too hot. <laughs> Sometimes we had a fan, didn't we, back there? Only if you brought it. <laughs> if, you, if you brought it and you're lucky somebody else yeah. did. <laughs> now, Saddle Inn, it had an attic fan. Mm. So. Now, weren't there beds above um, Wagon Inn in the upper story right. of Wagon Inn? So that's yeah. where... That's where the original dining hall and everything. The original was, dining hall was right below what was Wagon Inn. Yes. 
which was torn down in like 2008 or something, I think, yes. 2009. Yes. Okay. So when did the, when did the other dining hall expansion happen? When was that? That was 81. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. I understand now. So yeah. the, the wagon was where underneath wagon was where the old dining hall was. Right. And then the expansion happened quickly after you guys got here. And that yeah. must've been nice for you then, Lena, to have that much oh, more yeah. space. The kitchen was such a wonderful kitchen area. <laughs> yeah. We had people that would come, you know, re- with a retreat or something and, and see the kitchen. We had food service people would come and say, they just catch the breath. They just didn't know there was such a, a camp kitchen like it anywhere. And that still happens. We, we recently yeah. had our 3CA sectional with yeah. all the other camps. And their food service guys will go back into, into our kitchen and say, what? All yeah. of this space. What do you guys do yeah. with it? Well, it has, it has served this camp well for it since 81. Has. That was part of what transpired in my 20 years here was to get the, some of the infrastructure. Yeah. Where, because, uh, there was an old car body buried down by the dining hall, the old dining hall. That was a septic tank. A, a car body was the yeah. septic tank. <laughs> so that, well, that finally got replaced with a real septic. No tank. No wonder he know. hired an engineer then. <laughs> and uh, then we added another well up on the hill there by the reservoir. Uh-huh. And so we finally had adequate water. Yeah. And uh, you know, then started getting everything on septic tanks. So, what were the other pieces of? Uh, of infrastructure that you saw added during your tenure at the ranch? Well, we were constantly expanding the water system. Mm. So that was the major thing you were fighting against was keeping the water system up to date. And now it is. Yeah. I think we have three or four tanks running lines everywhere. Yeah. But all of the lines have been sized bigger and Mm. everything. And the facilities team today is they're tremendous. Yeah. They're great guys. They know what they're doing. They do. They yeah. really do. <laughs> so so you were you were brought in to help build the infrastructure. Um what, did you sense did you feel any pressure um coming in knowing that you were taking over from for the founder of the camp? No. None at all? No. No? I don't feel pressure. Okay. <laughs> I mean I guess Willard and I were kind of alike. Mm. We were both hard headed. Mm. Um, and so, there was an old Dodge Ram commercial on TV. Uh-huh. Uh, you're too young to remember, but it showed two Ram sheep uh-huh. butting heads, <laughs> and I would see Mr. Heck and Randall outside my office window. That was after we moved to the Heck House. After uh-huh. they were no, it was before then. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I would see them outside. And I, they would be, I could see they were really talking something through, you know. And, uh, I said, it reminded me of the old Dodge Ram commercial. It took a hardhead to come work for a hardhead. And they, but we loved each other and we made our point. Sure. (laughs) After he, most of it was after he was, Mr. Heck retired and he had appointed Randall as, um, the executive director. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of had to, earn his right to sure. make some decisions. Sure. But anyway, Mr. Heck is a wonderful man mm-hmm. and he is he he was the visionary mm. and uh the founder. And someone told us when we retired, um, this place was Willard's baby. 
and it's been your child. Hmm. And so there was growth, uh, and we, we had a wonderful relationship with Mr. and Mrs. Heck, but sometimes we had to stand our ground for what he had decided sure. was the right thing to do at the sure. time. Sure. Well, everybody, you know, every dog has his day, uh-huh. so to speak. Willard was the visionary. Mm. And then I was kind of the administrator mm. that followed in with his vision and set things in order. Departmentalized, we started adding staff, uh, you know, these kind of things. Mm. Then when David Jake was come, he's the people person mm. and the fundraiser. Yeah. And then, boy, it just exploded. Yeah. And now... Tom's job's going to be multiple camps. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty uh, that's pretty interesting to hear that uh, those key people uh, coming in through the years, you know, and and I really feel like New Life has been blessed with only having four executive directors. That probably makes that transition a little bit easier right. since there's consistency across the years. And yeah, see, whenever we came, there's only one director. Right. Right. And uh, everything. It was a very you know, rudimentary set of books and everything. Yeah. So, and we took it from there to a accounting system, and that was her baby. Yeah. So. Setting up the accounting system? I did four years of food service. Mm-hmm. And then um, Mr. Heck was still living here and in, in charge as executive director for, for our first four years here. Mm-hmm. And um, he had hired a secretary, and he had bought some kind of uh, office system. It was kind of like a rudimentary computer, but it was a big <laughs> system. Anyway, it's about uh, Commodore sixty four days. Okay. <laughs> well, it was even <laughs> before that, I think. But anyway, um, a lady named Sue was secretary, and she was trying to get books on that, and it was just always breaking down and having problems, and finally. Sue, Sue left. She quit. And that's when Mr. Heck asked me to take the books. And so I kept books. Hmm. I was full-charge bookkeeper for about 10 years. So you did food service. You did accounting. Was there any other role that you filled well, in when you were Well, my first summer here, I, I appreciated getting... I got to teach a junior Bible class, uh-huh. and I got to help a, with a crafts class, and I was... Just kind of did fun things, you right? Know, except for answering the phone. <laughs> we answered oh. the phone always. We answered it night or day. Mm, there was no answering machine. Right, right. And so, so if you heard it ringing, you had to go pick it up. We picked up. Well, and then when we finally got a phone in in the house, mm. it, and we got away from the party line, I don't know how we accomplished that. I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, they set us up with a private line. And so we, I answered the phone most of the time. Hmm. Secretary, accountant, food service. <laughs> and uh, later she became an EMT. Oh, wow. Because uh, these groups would show up, these church groups. Yeah. And with no medical help whatsoever. Yeah. Well, if someone got hurt, there would be, you know, no one who knew anything. Right. And that was just a little risky. So she became an EMT so that we'd have some interim care before an ambulance could get here or something. And, and that paid off many times. So, Randy, 
Lena's doing everything. What were you doing? Oh, oh I was involved. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, he kept very, very busy. Oh, I'm sure. We kind of sure. said hi in passing through the days and even into the evening. Yeah. He and Kent Dempsey built the first, it was only the second ropes course in the history of, in Oklahoma. Mm. Uh, they built first a little challenge course mm-hmm. in the ravine where Corral Inn is. Well, it wasn't there then. Mm-hmm. And then when they built Corral Inn, he and Kent built a real professional mm-hmm. ropes course. Is that the one that was behind the gym? Yes. No. No, no that was the third one. Oh, that was the third one. Where was the second one? It was the tornado took it out. It was up on the hill behind Bridal Inn. Okay, okay. And so all I could, there was no safety harness. They were hauling telephone poles up by rope. <laughs> by hand, pulling Kent, them up. Well, no, we had a Jeep that had an 8,000 pound winch on it. Oh, okay. And a little bit of help. Engineers know how to leverage things. Sure, and, sure. But they, they would just, he used, what do you call it, a telephone, alignment? Well, the only equipment we had for climbing was climbing spikes and a lineman's belt. Okay. So they were like 40 feet up in the trees. Yeah. Kent and he. And um, I'd I'd go up there, I'd walk up there, and I would take a couple of pictures, and I had to leave. I thought, (laughs) somebody's going to die here. I can't be here. I can't see this. And uh, so I put it in the newsletter, but it was things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a a big part of what we're focusing on this year is, is 60 years of impact. So... You know, you guys were here for about 20 years or so. Uh, what what stories of impact come to mind when you think about your time here and, and, and the people that have been through this place? To me, the first impact was a loser <laughs> because we built Bridal Inn for the handicapped. Mm. And that was one of my first tasks was to try to get handicapped groups to come in. Right, because one of Willard's visions was right. to, to make this a, a place for handicapped. But that wouldn't happen because your handicapped groups, they are very medically dependent. Hmm. And if you don't have the medical staff. Sure. And so we realized real quick that hmm. that's not going to happen. Hmm. But we did expand the retreat ministry hmm. considerably. And uh, uh, we started the family camp whenever I was here. Mm-hmm at our first family camp and uh, first senior adult camps and this sort of thing. And then, of course, yeah. the individual impact, that's innumerable. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a vision of one one camp, summer camp, where this little boy, his counselor was somebody named Mr. David. And I know when his parents came to pick him up, he pulled away from them and ran, screaming, Mr. David, Mr. David. He didn't want to leave. Mm. And then we had we had kids that just would pray so sincerely that the decisions I've made this week at camp, pray that I will be strong mm. and steadfast in that when I go home. And that was the hard part. And some of them didn't have um, parents that were believers mm. or they might be just, you know, superficially Christians. But they would say, Help, pray that I will be able to be strong with my witness, uh, even when I don't have anyone mm. at home who will, who will appreciate that or mm. back me up in it. 
what do you think makes New Life Ranch special? What do you, what do you think has made it last over these last 60 years that has made it a place that continues to grow and thrive? Well, it's exciting to the camper, but it glorifies God. And uh, a lot of people have the idea that God's an old meanie and, you know, always serious. Ah, God has fun, you know, and he wants to see his children enjoy mm. uh, what he has given them, which is true life. And so uh, I think that's, that's the main thing. The faithfulness of the staff, the, the quality of staff that have come on the grounds, not everybody has been as committed as another, but there was a real heart for serving, I think. And, and who knows how you can identify why God's presence seems more in one place than another. But a lot of people have said that about this place at least in the past, and I think they still do. You Mm -hmm. still have a waiting list. (laughs) That's so true. That's very true. So, uh, and then, you know, our mission of proclaiming the gospel and equipping believers. Um, I was talking to Lowell recently, and he said, you know, uh, my dad may not have articulated that way, but he certainly would agree to say, yeah, that's always been the mission since (laughs) the beginning. But how have you seen the mission of New Life Ranch how have you seen it demonstrated, especially when you guys were here? How did you see the mission fulfilled during your time here? Just, just in the people's lives. I've been in Neiman Marcus in Dallas. And I hear somebody say, Mr. Blackwell. You know, I had no idea who it was, but, you know, they remembered the ranch. They remembered us from the ranch, you know, and the, the, just the blessed time it was. For them. Mm. It was interesting. Uh, you should tell some of these stories. It was, <laughs> You're a better storyteller. It, no, it was interesting, though, that after, you know, after my first summer here and his time in the cabin that one time, uh, we didn't have as much hands-on with the campers mm-hmm. as we did just the serving and the process. But... Um, The ones that we met, the, the campers that we got best acquainted with were those who had come completely through the chain of discipline and finally had to wind up in this mean old Mr. Blackwell's office. <laughs> and, and some of those I've had contact with up, clear up until the last several years. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, pretty, that's pretty amazing. And it was, it was always hard. It was very hard to get to the point where you had to call parents and say, They've got to come home. Mm, mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember the, the boy's name, but there was one that was just seemed incorrigible. And I think he only had a couple of days left of camp, mm. but he had been in trouble, in trouble, in trouble. And uh, he wound up in his office, and we had to call parents and have them come get him. And uh, he... It, he finally wrote a letter back to uh, Randy and said uh, how sorry he was and that he appreciated the time it came. I don't even know how it, wor- it was worded now. But we were always forgiving, wanted you to come back. You know, you're welcome to come back. <laughs> and he came more than once. Then we had some, we had a, a camper that was raised in a, in a Christian home from Tulsa. 
but he was always in trouble, and uh, he'd get in trouble at home, and I don't know how he'd get here. <laughs> that was from Tulsa. But he would hitchhike or something, and he would wind up on our doorstep. And we'd call his parents. We'd say, come on in. And we'd call his parents and let him, let them know he's here. He's okay. <laughs> he's he made it. He's safe. He can stay here for a while till he settles down. And so he might stay a week. He might stay two weeks. And then we'd take him home. Mm. And we have heard from him and his dad uh, off and on through the years. Oh, wow. Um, uh, you had a, your door was, should have been a revolving door. <laughs> Because we had to check the beds to see who was. <laughs> so in it really was. It really was a valley set apart for a lot of people that yeah, they they came here, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, are there any other any other stories you wanted to highlight or share in, in, from your time at uh, at the ranch? I'm sure there's. We a had million several when we were talking about at home. Now I can't think. <laughs> uh, oh, well, I guess. Uh, oh, the funny, the fun stuff. Yeah, I know. When we were building the ropes course up on the, up the hill behind Bridal Inn, and there I had my climbing spikes and a lineman belt. I was probably 25, 30 feet up in a tree, and the tree looked sound from where I was on the ground. So I was drilling a hole in it to install a, an attachment. Uh-huh. Well, it turned out that tree was hollow. I didn't know that. And it's full of the most stinking water you have ever smelled. And so as soon as I punctured that cavity, here it came. Right <laughs> down right all over your clothes. And Kent Dempsey was absolutely no help because he was rolling <laughs> on the ground laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to come to the house and take a shower and even that didn't get rid of the smell. Right. <laughs> all oh, one time. I have a funny story too. If you can imagine... This uh, hairy guy and uh, Kent Dempsey and Bill Biggs, uh-huh. they came out as a skit into the dining hall. There was this the, a female counselor, her name was Zim Delay, and Zim was going to be the ballet instructor, and these guys were dressed, if you can imagine, <laughs> um, tutus, well, they had a leotards. Uh-huh. I don't know where they found any big enough. But he was in one. He had his uh, uh, long handles down, and then boots, and and these net skirts, these little tutu skirts. And uh, Miss Zim was teaching them on the rails there in the front uh-huh. where the serving line is, uh-huh. uh, how to how to um, stand at the rail and how to pose. And then they were doing uh, turns and everything. This was. Bill Biggs, they all had a wig on, and these tutus, and these boots. Well, I think that nobody was shocked when Kent came out to they because Kent would do those things. He was funny. He was kind of the program he was the, guy. He was and, program, right? He yeah. was the program director at the time, and he was crazy and fun. Yeah. So they weren't shocked at that. They were a little bit taken aback at Mr. Bill. He's big. And then, but Mr. Blackwell in a tutu, <laughs> mean old Mr. Blackwell, mean with old the Mr. Blackwell, chest hair sticking out up here, and the and the boots, and I, it was it was hilarious. Yeah. We were all rolling in the floor. I, I'm sure that there's yeah. somebody out I have there. Pictures. Oh, good, you. good. <laughs> and I'm sure there's somebody out there that there that distinctly remembers that story. Everything was a lot of hard work. Yeah, but oh, was it fun? Yeah. <laughs>
I bet. Well, hey, thank you so much for for coming and sharing these stories with me. Uh, I know I appreciate it, and I'm sure that other people listening will appreciate it as well. And thank you for your your 20 years of uh, serving the mission of New Life Ranch and and the Lord through that. So uh, I really appreciate it. It's it's really good talking with you, Randy and Lena. And uh, camping come a long way. It it sure has. It sure has. So, all right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting us. Hey, thanks for joining us again for MCP. Next month on the podcast, we'll hear from David Jaquis. Mr. David served as executive director from 1998 through 2015 and is a big reason camp is the way it is today. As a matter of fact, he is probably the reason this podcast even exists. If you have any feedback about this podcast, we would love to hear it. Here's something you like. Here's something you didn't. Got an idea for a podcast? If you do, please send an email to podcast at newliferanch.com. Music for MCP was written and performed for New Life Ranch by Cass Harris. You can find all of his work on iTunes and Spotify. Additional music was written and performed for the ranch by Chris King. Chris would like everyone to know that he actually prefers his bread extra toasty. And finally, help us spread the word about MCP by sharing this podcast with your friends and subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in May.